You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Um, good morning, church. All right. It is good to see your faces. Uh, it's good to see the camera for those that are watching at home. Um, my name's Adam. I'm the pastor here at the church, and it's just great to be together today to worship and to just be together. It's good to be together. I think one of the things, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, being together is important. We need one another. We need interaction and connection, and i um, glad that we are able to do that. Uh, so I encourage you, be part of some of these events that are coming up. We have quite a few things coming down the line. We'll let you know if we don't want to overwhelm you, but the, the calendar is full as we approach the holiday season, and so first thing you just got to worry about is that trunk or tree thing, which is um, the last time we did it, we, we missed last year because of, you know, the thing, but um, we, uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing it this year, and we're going to have a great time, and I uh, hope you're able to come out and serve. So there's a table at the back where you can go and either decide to help us serve that day, like set up or clean up or do a trunk. We want to have a lot of great trunks. And there's a prize. There are prize, a prize, prizes. There are things for best trunk. There's, yeah, there's a prize for best trunk. I know what's going on here. <laughs> I do. Um, so there's that. And then I just wanted to loop back around to something we talked about um, over the last couple of weeks. It's called Care Portal. Care Portal is uh, something through one of our ministry friends, uh, Four Kids, Foster Care Licensing Organization. Care Portal is a way for us to meet the needs of families in need. Um, and it's very simple. Um, you just have to sign up for it, and then you'll just get communications when a need arises. So if you want to participate in meeting some of those needs, uh, like I'm on the list and we just got a text this week that had like four needs of like a baby stroller, clothes, different things. And all we have to do is say like, yep, I'm going to meet that need. And then that's it. It's super simple, great way to just get connected to some of the needs of our community. So if you want to go ahead and do that link tree, if you text 94,000, um, homeless to 94,000, there'll be a care portal link there. You can click on it, sign up. It's awesome. It'll also be on our website. Lots of ways for you to get connected. Um, I'd say sign up. Uh, Diana Krempen is one of our members here, and she's overseeing this for us and kind of being the coordinator, and so she's doing a great job of getting, getting the word out. Um, so get connected through that. It's a great way to, um, to serve. All right, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are camping out in these few verses for the next uh, several weeks, all right? We're going to just stay here. We're, we're looking deeply at this one passage of Scripture to help us understand some things. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk about that today. We did last week. We introduced it. Um, the series is called Jars, and we, we, we talked last week about this amazing treasure that we get to carry in us, and us are <laughs> fragile jars of clay. And we're going to explore that a little bit more today. So let's stand together as we read God's Word. This is First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to end at verse 10. 
the scriptures on the screens for you. If you need Bibles, they're around your chairs. Let's look at the scripture. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. This is the word of the Lord. God, use this word to change us, to shape us, to impact us, to make us whole. And let it be a catalyst for us to go into a broken world to bring wholeness. We need you, God. Speak to us today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So, I like coffee. I really like coffee. Some would put an unfair designation onto me, which would be that I am a coffee snob. I don't, I don't take well to that designation. I don't think it's completely accurate. It depends on how you want to define these things. And, and like over the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, I have just, I've gotten more and more into coffee. And I, I do. I have some very defined and specific preferences. I have some strong beliefs about this. I believe that coffee is not something that you just scoop out of a giant plastic container, um, throw into a machine, add hot water, and then drown it in milk and sugar, and that's, I, I don't believe that is the best way to consume coffee, and sometimes I make that known to people, but I believe that coffee can be just an amazing opportunity, not just to drink something special, but to engage in community, engage in conversations, and, and honestly, to, to make a good cup of coffee is an art. It is. It, it's an art form. It's a process. And it all begins with, in my bag of tricks here, it all begins with, what are these? Beans, beans, beans. I know you can't see a lot of these, but this little bean turns into something so glorious. Um, it's all about the beans. It's all about the beans and what you do with these beans. See, coffee grounds that we use used to be one of these. It used to be a bean. And what happens to the bean is crucial to what uh, coffee will become. First, you take a, a bean, which is a you know, piece of nature. It's a, it's a plant of sorts, right? And then you roast it. And then it has to go through another process. And I have something else. It goes into one of these, okay? Not necessarily this specific one, but what is this? It's a grinder, and this is like an old school type of grinder. It's a hand grinder, and this is not my preferred way to do it because I thought this would be really cool at first to have a grinder like this, and then I found it was really a lot of work, and it was terrible. So, so, the bean, so I have an electric grinder that I use, but... This is easier for display, okay? So the grinder, right? So the coffee bean goes into this, right? And there are, there, there's a, 
There's a mechanism inside that takes that bean and grinds it. It grinds it. It has to go through the grinder. And you, you grind the beans into the powder, the, the, the grounds, and that those grounds go into a some device where you add water and it produces something amazing. But unless the coffee beans go through that process, uh, it, it will not and it cannot produce the glorious cup of coffee that we all know and love, right? It has to go through that process. The bean cannot stay like this, right? If I just gave you these beans and I said, I want you to chew on them, you could, you'd, you'd survive, but it would not be great. It would not taste anything like the cup of coffee that you drink either from the cafe or wherever you like getting your coffee from. See, we're not talking about coffee today. But that image of the coffee bean, I believe, is, is really helpful for us because we as humans, as people, we go through similar process throughout life. In different parts of life, we go through a grind. See, we can feel like the bean, the bean that, that is whole and like this, and, and we think, oh man, this, is, this must be where that great cup of coffee comes from, but unless it goes through the grinding process, it can't get to, to, to the fullest potential that it has. And so we can feel like the bean. And in order for that bean to be useful, in order for the flavor to be pulled out of that bean, it has to be pressed. It has to be ground. It has to be afflicted. And maybe you see where I'm going today. See, we're talking about affliction. See, th this passage of Scripture, Paul, who's writing, he's writing to a church in need, right? A church that has, in some ways, strayed from truth, in some ways have strayed from what is real, and not just about their own lives, but about how they thought about Jesus, how they thought about affliction and suffering in life. And he's writing to, in, in a lot of ways, to help prove his role in their life. He started this church. He loved this church. He, he taught this church, and then he leaves the church, and then they start going, actually, Paul, I don't think you're really as, uh, as spiritual as we thought. Do you know why they thought that? Talked a little bit about this last week. It's because he went through tough times. He went through hard times, and so they started thinking, oh, you're suffering, Paul, that must mean that God is not with you, that you're not really an apostle, that you're not really full of all the things you said. And so he's writing to this church to help them shift their thinking and go, no, actually, 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 my ministry, my authority, my my place before God is not dependent on whether I have suffered or not. And the fact that I have suffered doesn't mean God has left, but actually it's, it's showing you that God is with me, that God is here. And so he lays out these, these four sets of conditions 
that we go through, right? He says we're afflicted, but not crushed. He says perplexed, persecuted, struck down. And so the goal for me is to take each one of those you know, we introduced it last week, and the goal is to take each one of those over the next few weeks and talk about what that means for us. See, we're, we're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through times of affliction, of, of perplexing, perplexion, confusion, of feeling persecuted, of feeling struck down. But we, we need to be able to process that because it, it's not a matter of if that's going to happen. It's, it's when, right? You know this. doesn't matter how old you are. Affliction is a part of life. It is not a part that we like. It's not a part that we want. It's, it's not something that we seek out, but it does have purpose. And, and I want to help us to see those purposes and to be able to pull out from the affliction the things that God wants us to understand. See, just like that bean has to go through the grinder in order to fulfill its purpose, we often have to go through the grinder in order to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. And I know, I know, I know, you're like, Adam, Adam, I'm going through it a lot. I'll come to church. I just want to, I want to hear good things. I want you to tell me it's going to be okay. It's, it's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> it's going to be okay, but it will happen. See, the, the affliction will come. It's, it's just part of life. And, and I would not be a, a good pastor, a shepherd, a, a leader if I just glossed over these things and said, ah, don't worry about it. No, I want to teach us how to suffer well. I don't want to depress you. I want to give you encouragement and hope. That God is with you. See, I'm hoping to help us learn how to trust God when you are in the grinder. When you're in the grinder, how can you process what's happening? How can you trust God more through the affliction of life? I want to help us see that you are not alone in the affliction, that not only is God with you, but we are with you. And that is the purpose behind gathering together. It's why this, this meeting is so important. And it's wonderful that, 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 that we have opportunities so that we can watch from home and we, we have opportunities to, to connect digitally and virtually, but they're also has to be a, a, an opportunity for presence to exist where we can see one another and we can look at one another and go like, yes, I forgot about you. You're, you're hurting too. I'm hurting. We're hurting together. Let's, let's, let's do this. It's why we have small groups. It's why we do other gatherings. See, God is with you and he will give you what you need to make it through. Now, people, people like to say, there's a popular saying, phrase that comes out often like, God will never give you more than you can handle. It, it's, it, you're like, Adam, don't, don't ruin this one for me now. <laughs> I've been preaching this a long time, Adam. I've been telling people all the time when they go, God, God won't give you more than you can handle. No, it's, it's not really true. See, here's the truth. <laughs> God gives you, he allows things in your life and often gives you more than you can handle. 
You can't handle it. But here's the good news is that the whole purpose of, of why we talk about these things is because he gives you exactly what he can handle. He, there's nothing more that he Nothing more that he gives you that he can't take care of and he can handle because he doesn't want us walking around and be like, oh, good, I got this. I can handle this one. I thought I couldn't handle it, but God's with me so I can handle it. Well, yes, but it's more. Take the eyes off of what you can handle and figure out, oh, you can handle it. See, he talks, we talked about this last week. He, he's given us this treasure in jars of clay. The jar clay can't handle it but the power inside can handle it. So Jesus in us, the gospel in us, this is, this is what we want for our lives. It's not just this club we want to join so we can, we can figure out how to, how to navigate the, the, the political world or the, the, the justice system or relational life. No, no, no. We, we want to focus. All that stuff's going to get taken care of, but we first want to focus on the, the one who has the power to handle all the things, all the affliction, all the suffering. See, and when we give it to him, when we realize we're the jar of clay and that the surpassing power that, that exists is in us, now we can be useful in the world around to handle the issues of our day. Not just the issues of our day out there, but like <laughs> the issues of our day, like my day. I need Jesus because everything from the moment I wake up to go to bed is more than I can handle. <laughs> it's just too much. Affliction comes. But the good news is we are afflicted. We are struck down, persecuted, perplexed. But God is with us. And so this series is truly meant to give you comfort. But not, but like real, genuine comfort from, from deepest inside. Not something that's just like, oh, it's going to be okay and don't worry and, and you're, our, you're a conqueror and you're able. Yeah, all that is true. But I want your eyes off of yourself and onto the one who really is working the power in you. That's what Paul is wanting. That's what Jesus wants. That's what I want. To see that there is perf purpose and comfort in the affliction. And I want to help give you ways to think and, and structure your life so that you can overcome the affliction, that you can, you can be overcomers in it. And we'll get to that at the end, but I, want to, I just want to talk about this passage a little bit more before we get to some of that application. See, Paul says this, we are afflicted. What does he say? In every way, right? In every way, like all the time and various kinds of affliction are happening. That, so this is Paul the apostle, like the, the man, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, the one who has the authority to start churches, to speak God's word. He communicates the fact that he is afflicted. He's having a tough time. That, that, that people who follow Christ, yes, will be afflicted. That word afflicted, it means pressed, right? It means crowded, compressed. It's, it's the grinder. See, there's a, a burr in here, right? That's, that, 
that takes, it's got blades and it twists in two different directions to take the bean and to, to grind it down, to press it, to squeeze it, to crowd it so that it can bring the bean to a place that it can be useful. See, Paul was, was challenging this notion that affliction is a sign that God is not with you. That's why he's writing. And how many of us have felt that way at times? We're going through difficult moments, affliction. Life gets hard, and we feel that God is just gone. He's left. He's, he's, he's abandoned us. And, or maybe you're just starting to believe in God, and you're like, I, I think this sounds... Maybe this sounds good. I think I'd like to give God a chance, maybe follow Jesus, kind of join, you know, dip my toe in the pool, and you start doing it, and then all of a sudden things start falling apart. <laughs> and, and then you, you start to back up, and you're like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was a joke. I knew this wasn't real. I knew as soon as I gave myself into this that, that it would prove that it's all fake. God's not with us because bad things are happening. See, Paul, he, he, he shows us that going through affliction is not outside of God's plan for our life. Look at what he says. He says this uh, a little bit later in this letter, right? This is like chapter 11. So we're in chapter 4 for our passage. He's in chapter 11, still talking about this, way at the end of the letter. He says, five times... I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. It sounds like a Christmas song, right? Like five horrible lashes, three terrible beatings. Once I was stoned. Like people throwing rocks, that kind of stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Sign up. <laughs> Sign up for Christianity. Here's the marketing plan. Oh, well, I had it rough, man. He understood affliction. He understood being in the grinder. He also understood that all of it, all of it, all of it had a purpose. All of it had a purpose. Paul was living large before this all started happening. He was at the top of the religious groups. He, he had people doing his, his bidding. He was, he was the man on the wrong side. And so we could look at his life and go like, oh man, he made this change. Jesus found him and then his whole life started falling apart. No, actually his whole life started to make sense. It started to have purpose. And just because the affliction started happening actually was, was a sign that he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. This treasure, this amazing treasure of Christ housed in these jars of, jars of clay, this strength housed in weakness, seeing, 
so that God's power can be seen. See, it's not about the jar. It's never about the jar. You go into a jewelry store and, and you look and there's lights shining down, these beautiful cases, and inside is just sparkling jewels and watches and, and bracelets and necklaces and all that. And you don't walk in and be like, oh my gosh, look at those cases. Look how, look how wonderful they are. Look how strong they look. No, they, they're just... They're just there, and they're actually not very strong. If you want what's inside, they're not, they're not hard to break, right? The, the, the purpose is these, these beautiful cases are there, to, to, this fragile case is there to show the, the wonder of the jewels and the beauty that's inside. See, our, our purpose isn't to highlight the jar. The jar is weak and fragile, right? We, just, we wake up, we look in the mirror, we're like, yep, jar, fragile, clay, That fragile, worn down jar houses something amazing. It's the power in the jar that gives life. See, an affliction, affliction is a way to show and to experience that power. That power often only comes out when we are going through the grinder. It's, it's, it's the bean, man. It can't do what it's called to do until it goes through the grinder. And, and so you might be like, Adam, you showed us this list of horrors that Paul went through. Is that what I have to do? Is that... Do I have to go through that extreme of suffering in order to, to show God's power? Well, no. Affliction doesn't have to be that extreme. But every day we are experiencing some form of affliction, some form of trouble. We feel the pressures of life. Don't you feel it? The pressures are high. They're hard the compression, the strain. It's a part of living in a world with evil, with flawed people, with sickness, with, with broken systems. We will be afflicted. And many of us are afflicted right now in, in different ways. We don't, we don't even know about each other. Individually, we're afflicted, but, but corporately, we are afflicted. I don't just mean as a church. I mean as a people, as a nation, 47 million people in our country have some sort of mental health issue. That's like, that's around one in five adults. 20% of kids ages 13 to 18 have or have had some serious debilitating mental disorder. Suicide is, is a huge global academic. And all of this, all of this has increased over the last two years. You combine COVID with political unrest and instability, racial divides, social justice issues, just a general distrust of everything and everyone. We're not, we're not okay. We have, to, we have to acknowledge that and understand that we are in the grinder. 
We're in the grinder. How can you make sense of it? How can we make sense of the grinder? You see, the jars, these jars, they're getting beat up. They're getting compressed, beaten up, crowded, stressed. So what's, what's the good news? What, what do we have to hold on to? See, it's these three amazing words that come in this passage, right? We are afflicted, but what are those three words that come right after? But not, say it crushed. We are afflicted, but not crushed. What's he talking about? See, that's the surpassing power of God that he talks about in this passage, the surpassing power of God, that although we are hard-pressed, that we are afflicted, we are, we are being ground up, we are not crushed. See, that word crushed means to, to, to constrict, to narrow. It actually is where we get our English word stenosis, right? Have you ever heard of stenosis? You can get it up the spine, but often talks about like the heart and the arteries. When you get stenosis, your arteries, they're getting clogged up. They're, they're getting narrower. They're getting restricted. So what happens when that happens? No blood flow, lights out. Yeah, like th- that's it. That can lead to death. That's, that's the crushing. So we try to find English words that come to, me, come to match this. And what's really interesting is that the word afflicted and the word crushed that we have in the English, they're two different words in Greek, but they, they really mean very similar things. And you're going to see that as we go through the other pairs in the weeks to come, that, that the two words that, these, that Paul uses, crowded, pressed, narrow, and then for crushed is almost the same thing. What's he saying? He's saying that we will be afflicted, but not afflicted. Afflicted. We will be we will be pressed, but not pressed out. We will be grinded, but not grinded out of existence. Like there is room to breathe. That that we are pressed, but you will never be suffocated out. That's the good news. That's the power of God. That to have these jars of clay afflicted, beaten up, bruised, but not crushed. I encourage you in your affliction, to not lose hope, to not, to not fall into despair because the promise of God is that, that he's with you and that it will not end you. Look, the coffee bean, when it goes through the grinder, it doesn't just wipe out of existence. We grind it up. It's not like, oh, where'd it go? No, it comes through refined, better, pure, useful, beneficial. Do you know we are more useful because of affliction in our lives than, than if nothing ever happens? That's what God is doing with you. If you are feeling afflicted, if you are feeling crushed, that he is doing stuff in you to make you Better. I want to share this quote with you. Sometimes people smarter than me can say it a lot better than me. This is J.C. Ryle, amazing author, writer, thinker, pastor. Look what he says. Affliction is one of God's medicines. All right, we don't like that. I, I, I get it. <clears throat> By it, he often teaches lessons which would be learned in no other way. By it, he often draws souls away from sin in the world, which would otherwise have perished everlastingly. Now listen to this one. Prosperity and worldly comfort are what all naturally desire, but losses 
and crosses are far better for us if they lead us to Christ. That's, that's crazy, man. That is well said. Losses and crosses are better for us if they lead us to Christ. See, sometimes we engage in the wrong kind of affliction or we put affliction into our lives because we're, we're searching out the wrong things. Right, and we read this and we see it, and maybe intellectually we're like, yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense, but off, but it's awful, right? It's it's just easy to say, hard to live, but that is the fight of life, seeing Jesus as the prize. Seeing him as worthy, right? We sang it this morning. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, worthy, worthy, right? We say it over and over again. And it just gets to be common for us. We don't, we don't know what we're saying. Is he worth something in your life? Do we see Jesus as the prize? Because we are constantly running after the wrong prizes. We're running after the wrong treasures. And so often we go through the wrong kind of affliction. We go through affliction or we avoid affliction altogether because we want something more than Jesus. We want something other than Jesus. We want the wrong things. And the reality, it's not just about Paul going through affliction and we look at Paul's life and like, well, if he did it, I guess I won't. No, no. He's just pointing to the one who was afflicted for us. Afflicted and crushed so that we would never be. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus lived the life we were supposed to live. He, he died the death that was aimed at us. He was afflicted with our transgression, our sin. He was crushed for our sin so that Paul could write this, that you are afflicted but not crushed because Jesus was crushed for you. Jesus was crushed for us. And so all we do now is we come to him, come to the one, come to Christ in faith, with our affliction, and we go, God, thank you. This is how we find joy and purpose in the grind. This is why James can say, the, the writer of James, he could say, count it all joy when you go through trials of various kinds. Because Jesus was afflicted for us. This is good news. It's what we need to be reminded of. It doesn't, I know it doesn't take away the pain and the sting of the affliction you're going through, but what, what it does is it helps frame our lives in a way that we just don't seek after an afflictionless life. And I'm not saying go out and seek, you know, pain and hurt. That's not the point. It'll come. You don't have to go find it. <clears throat> but often when we try to run from it and we try to live a life that just has none of it, what happens? We find ourselves just in a whole other kind of affliction because we're living for something that will not satisfy. It will not give us the things that it promises. It promises all these other things, whether it's money, friends, fame, popularity, respect, 
beauty, all of it will, will make it seem like if, if I only got this, then everything would make sense. Life would be so much easier. And all we end up doing is chasing after it, running it. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a carrot on a stick, right? And, and you're constantly going for it, going for it, going for it, and never get it because there's always going to be more, something else that will not give you what, what you want, the very things that you need. Jesus says, I want you to come to me. And often he allows affliction in our lives to help us to see the beauty of the treasure. So let's not despise the affliction. Let's look at ways that we can learn from it and, and yes, overcome it. But the overcoming is not to, to get a life that is free of it, but a life that knows how to handle it and, and, and process it in a way that brings more life. And so there's three things I want to give you to help you think through this. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Three things to help, okay? This is not an exhaustive list. This is not the answer to solving all your affliction problems, okay? But it is something, I think, principles that will help you in overcoming affliction, but also in overcoming just the, the, the stuff of life. Three things. To live authentically, to listen spiritually, and to lift hopefully. Live authentically, listen spiritually, lift hopefully. What do I mean by that? All right, look, live authentically. This, this is it. We are jars of clay. Let's stop pretending we're not, okay? Let's be real. Let's be honest. We're not, we're not okay all the time. Sometimes we just go through life putting on this show, putting on this happy face that like, oh, nothing can bother me or I'm not going to speak about the, the, the bad things because then that gives it power. And no, 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 stop all of that. We can walk in authentic life relationships and transparency and vulnerability to say, yeah, I'm a jar of clay. I'm bending, cracking. It, it feels like I'm about to be crushed. See, this is what humility is. Humility is recognizing that, that, that I'm, I'm just not thinking of myself that much. And so I'm not going to pretend to be great. I'm also not going to cower in the corner and saying, oh, I'm worthless. No, no, no. I'm going to focus my energy and attention on making God great. The jar of clay is just there to, to show the surpassing power of God in our life. The clay is fragile. But the treasure inside is unbelievably strong. So let's live like that's true. So we're going to be real. We're going to be honest. We're going to, we're going to be humble. We're going to lower ourselves. We don't like to admit weakness, but that's where we need to be, that it's okay to not be okay, that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to ask for help. Sometimes we just get, you know, we're afflicted, and we're like, oh, no one cares. No one's, no one, no one's looking at me. No one's asking about me. No one's coming over. And one of the questions we got to ask is, have you, have you asked for help? Have you even been real and honest that you're hurting? Because I tell you, most of the time, people don't know. Be vulnerable. Be transparent. Go to God with those vulnerabilities, with, those, with that authenticity. Go to God with it. Go to God humbled and low. I remember when Nikki was, was my wife, when she was going through cancer, 
um, breast cancer that, that all coincided with, you know, crazy time in our life. And we just were going through those initial stages. And I just remember, like, on the bathroom floor, like, fully on my face, couldn't get any lower, like, physically, and just crying out to God, going, I cannot do this. I don't know how to handle this. Yeah, in that moment, it was not, God, I know you don't give me anything more than I can handle. It was like, God, you have given me everything that I cannot handle. But take it. Help. Help, help, help. We have to go to God authentically, spiritually. We, we need him. We need to take off not the physical mask. We need to take off our masks that hide, that we hide behind. We need to be real, not in denial. We need to let others see our vulnerability. How does this help? Because God meets us in that time. You know what he says? James tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's what we need. That's, that's the idea that God opposes. He stands in opposition when we are proud and we act like we have it all together. But he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. He meets us. He helps us in those moments. He opposes the high, but gives grace to the low so that you're in a position to receive. So we want to we want to live authentically. We also want to listen spiritually. We need to listen. We need to open up our ears, our spiritual ears to properly process the affliction. We need to listen more but to the right voice, to the right voices, to God, to to people in our lives that that speak truth to us. It's where we find what we need. It's where we find wisdom. You, do you want answers to the, to the affliction in your life? We, Paul, Paul says we are afflicted in every way. So how do we process that? Often we need, this is how we want to process it often, is we want to yell. We want to get loud. We want to get more in your face. We want to start typing up messages and just screaming to the world, and, and we don't want to shut up for just a second to maybe listen to what God is saying. Don't be quick to respond to the affliction, to try to fix it, try to make it right. No, maybe God is wanting to talk to you and maybe others are wanting to talk to you to, to listen with your spiritual ears as well as your physical ears. There are lots of ways that we can listen. Technology makes it really easy. We can listen to people. We can read books. We can read the Bible, which is what we need to be reading. One way to listen that kind of goes con counter to our nature is to, and maybe counter to this definition, to listen is to ask questions. If you're just waiting for people to offer you information, maybe not going to happen, but if you actually ask questions, you can, you can start to hear and listen and, and understand things. If you feel overly afflicted by another person or another people group or a system, you can start asking questions maybe to people that disagree with you. 
so that you can learn. And I'm not saying you're going to change your mind, but you are definitely not going to to learn and to be able to listen better by, by shouting louder. Ask questions, listen, get insight, get input, and then you can make some decisions. We're just not doing this very well. Listen to other people's affliction. Don't just write it off. You're like, oh, you, you, you're afflicted. You don't even know affliction. Wait till I tell you. No, just stop. Listen to what someone else has to say about the, a pain that they are going through. It might change you. It will change you. And finally, we're going to lift, hopefully. What do I mean by that? Look, our eyes get so focused down and inward or right at what's in front of us, and we see the affliction that's, that's staring us in the face, and so we don't listen well. We also don't look well, and God wants us to lift our eyes to him with hope. Our eyes come off of ourselves, off of our situation, and up and out onto a, a much bigger world and a much bigger God than we want to create. We want God to just agree with us and, and do everything that we want him to do, and when he doesn't, we think he's left us, when in reality, he he is wanting us to look at him and look at the world around to say, people are going to be different. I am different than you as your God. Think about these things. Lift your eyes up. Lift them out in hope to the one who is working. You have a hope that's bigger than your affliction. Paul says, he says, this light in momentary affliction. He says this just a little bit later in the same chapter of ours. This light and momentary affliction is what? It's preparing us for something great. Lift your eyes to the one who is working in you, to the one who is able to take your affliction and turn it into joy and turn it into, into beautiful, useful, fruitful, life. It's the bean. The grinder brings out the best often in us. And then we can be used for one another to pull each other up and out of the craziness that we exist in. Let's stand together. God, we, we look to you. We lift our eyes to the one, to the treasure, the surpassing power that is stored in these fragile, weak jars of clay. God, help us in our affliction. The affliction is real. We don't want to discount it. We don't just want to say, ah, that's no big deal. No, no, no. The afflictions are real, and they are, they are doing they are doing things in us we can't see, but what we can see is the pain that we feel. And so, God, I just pray, I do pray, that you would help us, God, to be relieved of the affliction so that we would know you more, that we would see you more, that, that as, our, as the affliction is doing work to point us to you, that we would be changed because of it. And if there are those in this room who, who just have yet to put their hope in you, they don't have their faith in you yet, God, that you would call them right now, that they would put their trust in you, they would see you as Lord of their life. God, help us all of us to love you more, to seek you more. And for those of us that call you God, that, that know you as Father and Lord, God, would you work in us strength, 
wisdom, mercy, grace, more than we've ever had before, to see the affliction as as a tool, a mechanism to make us better and useful. Use us for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's sing, church.